listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lease. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Hello. Oh, excuse me, I just said the burp. That's a great way to start an episode after being gone for a couple of weeks. Welcome really to the world's best podcast. Really just remind people what they're buckling in for. Exactly. Anyway. Hello. Welcome to another week of Best Served Cold, the true mm-hmm. crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. I'm one of your amazing co-hosts, Laura Elise, and I said, burr, it's cold in here. There must be some true crime in the atmosphere. Ooh. And I am your other co-host, Tama Tor, soft on the inside and mentally collapsing on the outside. Pretty much, which kind of is a nice segue into why we disappeared for a couple of weeks. Yes. But we will get into that after the, after the show. After the show. Look, we do our cases um, at the start of the show. So we have one case each. Uh, and at the end of the cases, we have just a general talk with each other. So if you like that kind of thing, stick around to the end and we'll get more into that. If you're just here for the cases, then... That's something we'll, Strap on we'll in. Straight just a it, few yeah. very brief little housekeeping things before we jump straight into another week. Uh, if you do want to check us out on social media, if you've been around here for a while, you may already be following us. But if you're new, you can check us out at the BSC podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, which I keep forgetting to tell people that all our episodes are also automatically uploaded to YouTube. Yep. Uh, so you can, it's nothing fancy. There's no video, but if you are someone like me who likes to put things on the TV, on YouTube, in the background, and then go do things, then you can now do that. Uh, also if you are new around here, we do like to give a little disclaimer at the start that we do tend to swear a fair bit in the show. So if you are someone who does not like the curse words, we would kindly ask you to exit through the gift shop. Feel free to take a souvenir, but please do not leave us a one-star review on Apple because it will make us cry. Yes, we have uh, very uh, fragile self-esteem. Literally. It's not even an exaggeration. uh, Please don't do it to us. I mean, it's on us because we started a fucking podcast, but just don't do it. At least not for that reason. Yeah, but not for that reason. Not for that reason. If you, if you hate the show because it sucks, then fair enough. Fair enough. But like, you do you. Yeah. If, if yeah. the swear words, I mean, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Anyway. Come on. Is that all the housekeeping? Do I have to tell people anything else? No. No. I Just stick around to the end and we'll talk about you where we've been. want to hear us talk about shit? Talk, uh, hear yeah. about what we've been up to lately. Um, and that's that. Uh, do you want to go It first? is my turn is indeed turn to, to go, go first, first, so I am going to go first. Okay. Um, so this is one that I've been meaning to do for a while and it's just, I don't know, it, it's one that kind of deeply upsets me to be honest. So I've kind of put off doing it, but then Hulu has done a TV series about it, so I thought it was kind of perfect timing. It's like sort of fitting, yeah. Um, so if you are interested in watching the TV series, it's called The Girl from Plainville. It's got... Uh, Elle Fanning Fanning. in it. I haven't actually watched it yet, uh, but it does look quite good. So it is on my to-watch list. Um, So today I'm going to be discussing the death of Conrad Roy and the involvement of his, at the time, girlfriend, Michelle Carter. I do want to give a pretty heavy trigger warning for um, suicide. So this case revolves a lot around suicide, a lot around talking about it, encouraging people to do it. So... If that's not your vibe, maybe just, I don't know, skip ahead 20 or so minutes to get to Tama's case. Um, 
Yeah. Also, just because of the way this case kind of is, uh, the way I have written my notes, it kind of like jumps back and forth a little bit because I have to keep going into little segues. So again, if it gets a little bit confusing, sorry, I'm not a journalist. So quick backstory. So Conrad Royer was born September 12th, 1995 and Michelle Carter was born August 11th, 1996. So Conrad had always been known as a bit of a socially anxious boy, especially when it came to situations like school. Despite this, though, he was an excellent student. He graduated in 2014 on the honor roll, and he was also a star athlete participating in multiple sports. So basically just like your typical, what we Australians know to be the American star student, at least on the outside. On the inside, however, Conrad struggled incredibly with his mental health. Allegedly, he'd been physically abused by his father and verbally abused by his grandfather. He struggled with depression as well as severe social anxiety. And when his parents divorced in 2012, Conrad attempted suicide by overdosing on uh, Tylenol, which is essentially paracetamol. So Panadol for us Australians. Uh, Michelle Carter, also from an incredibly young age, had struggled severely with her mental health, developing an eating disorder as well as self-harm tendencies from the age of eight. Damn. She was in and out of counselling from a young age as well as being put on prescription medication from age 14. So while on separate family holidays in 2012, Carter and uh, Conrad met in Florida. They became fast friends on their vacation and while they were there realised that they actually only lived an hour apart. So shortly after they began, uh, shortly after they met, rather, a relationship began. And even though they didn't live that far from each other, over the next two years, they only physically saw each other a few times in person with the bulk of their relationship being over texts, emails and phone calls. In the two years before his death, Michelle and Conrad actually only physically were in the same room a total of five occasions. So on Sunday, July 13th in 2014, Conrad Roy committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning as he sat in his car in a Kmart car park. Conrad's funeral is held on Saturday, July 19th, 2014 at St. Anthony's Church in Matapoiset. I'm very sorry if I mispronounced that. And the Captain Conrad H. Roy III Scholarship Fund at the Northeast Maritime Institute in Massachusetts is established in his memory. So sadly, there isn't really much to tell in terms of like Conrad's story at first glance. It really appeared to be a very kind of fairly open and shut tragic story of a young man who had very obviously struggled with his demons and then made the decision to take his own life. However, as police do sort of start to look, I guess, uh, a a kind of cursory investigation into his death, they find in his phone records that at the time that he was taking his own life, he was on the phone with Michelle Carter. As soon as they realise this, they also very quickly connect the dots that despite being on the phone with him at the time that he was attempting to take his own life and presumably knowing what was happening, Carter did not call the police or alert anyone to what Conrad was doing. Police then begin digging further into Conrad and Michelle's relationship and uncover a much darker story than originally anticipated, finding disturbing messages between Carter and Conrad at which time they obtain a warrant for her phone. When Conrad and Carter first begin seeing each other, he is very open to her about his struggles with mental illness and his suicidal ideations. She is originally incredibly supportive. She repeatedly discourages him from attempting suicide, 
helps him talk through and work through his problem and continually encourages him and pushes him to seek professional help for his mental illness. Conrad at one point suggests that they could be like Romeo and Juliet, checking then to clarify that she understands that that means killing themselves, Mm -hmm. to which she responds in a message in all caps saying, we are not dying. It's really not 100% known what was kind of the tip-off for her change in attitude. However, there has been some speculation. So many suspect that her unpopularity at school and her desperate need to fit in may have been what triggered it. Carter was said to not entirely exist in reality with many girls from her school who she claimed were her very close friends really claimed to know her little more than just passing. Right. One girl from Carter's school who was questioned as part of the trial stated that Carter would continually hit her up to hang out together and the girl would politely tell her that she was working or had other plans to basically avoid having to spend time with her. So as well, in the lead in the days leading up to Conrad's death, Carter sent messages to multiple people stating that Conrad was missing, which he wasn't. In the trial of Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter, the prosecution argues that this was what they called a dry run, attempting to see how much sympathy and attention something like this would get her from her peers. So after Conrad's death, it appears that her plan had worked, with comments and social media likes flooding her phone, as well as people texting, calling and asking to like physically hang out with her. So this kind of idea is further backed up when you look deeper into Michelle Carter's strange obsession at the time with actress Leah Michelle. So one year prior to Conrad's death, actor Corey Monteith, who was dating Leah Michelle at the time, died of an accidental overdose. So Corey Monteith played Finn in Glee, Leah Michelle played... Uh. Uh, What's her name? Rachel in Glee. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they were dating both as their characters end and in, in real life. life. Yeah. So text messages to Conrad as well as to friends after his passing are word for word copies of lines that Leah Michelle would say either on her show Glee in reference to Corey's character or quotes relating to her real life partner Corey's death when she was asked about his passing in interviews. So this only kind of further supported the case that all of Carter's actions and attitude towards Conrad served to fulfill her purpose of becoming the center of attention through the tragic event, like the passing of a loved one. Yeah, of course. So as the police investigation gets deeper, police find that not only was Carter speaking to Conrad on the phone during his last moments on earth, but she had texted him up to a thousand times the week prior to his death, actively encouraging him to do it. Jesus. Texts on the day of his death demonstrate an almost bully-like quality as Conrad continually questions whether or not he should do it, displaying kind of fear for the act itself as well as concern for how that will impact his friends and family. Carter pushes him, telling him that he just needs to do it, stating that she will ensure his family is taken care of and that she will personally oversee their healing after he dies. Um, So I'm just going to read out a little verbatim extract from some of the text messages that were used in the court trial so carter i don't know i'm freaking out again i'm overthinking michelle i thought you wanted to do this the time is right and you're ready you just need to do it you can't keep living this way you just need to do it like you did last time and not think about it and just do it babe you can't keep doing this every day carter i do want to but like i'm freaking out for my family i guess i don't know michelle conrad i told you i'll take care of them 
Everyone will take care of them to make sure they won't be alone and people will help them get through it. We talked about this. They will be okay and accept it. People who commit suicide don't think this much. They just do it. That's just disgusting. So as well as in this text message exchange on the day of his death, she questions Conrad asking him if he's deleted messages between the two of them, assumingly to ensure that she can't be sort of incriminated in his death. Yeah, she's covered. She also goes so far as once Conrad has passed, she starts texting his sister Camden, asking if she knows where he is and kind of displaying concern for his well-being, even though she very knows where he is. The next morning when Conrad wasn't home and his mother called the police, she entirely feigns having any knowledge of his whereabouts despite knowing again exactly where he is. In the days after Conrad's death, true to her word, Carter is in constant contact with his family, texting, calling, email... One email sent to his family showed her saying, I'm so sorry I didn't do enough to save him. I have never tried harder in my life to help fix someone. Carter attends Conrad's wake, appearing as the loving, grieving girlfriend, and eventually goes on to ask his family if she would be permitted to keep some of his ashes. Uh, She also then, a few months down the track, organises a fundraiser at her school for him, but doesn't, so she has it at, her school, which is an hour away from his, not at his school, and doesn't invite any Anyone of his friends his or family. Yeah, right. So after an extensive investigation into their thousands and thousands of messages, on February 4th, 2015, Michelle Carter is indicted and charged with involuntary manslaughter. The night before her trial, Carter waives her right to trial by jury, meaning her case is heard and judged by Judge Lawrence Moniz. And some people had said this was very likely at the behest of, or rather the encouragement of her defense who would understand that a judge isn't going to be able to take emotion into it. Like any jury is going to read those messages and be like, you fucking bitch. Whereas a judge is legally only like not allowed to take emotion into it. Look at the hard facts kind of thing. Yeah. So... A large portion of the trial is centered around the messages swapped between Carter and Conrad, with the prosecution stating it proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Conrad would have never gone through with the act without Carter's pressure, while the defense states that anything she had said or done or written falls under the First Amendment freedom of speech. Some of the messages revolve around Conrad having doubts about whether or not to go through with it and Carter pushing him, saying things like, I think your parents know you're in a really bad place. I'm not saying they want you to do it, but I honestly feel like they can accept it. There is a point that comes where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you, not even yourself, and you've hit that point. Everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. Which for anyone who's ever suffered with depression, Mm. those are exactly the things that go through your head. So to have someone that you love actually say those things to you horrific yeah the one person who should be anchoring you to exactly ground so in another string of damning messages carter went so far as to provide him step-by-step instructions on how he should do it which i'm not gonna read out because i just i it's not i don't think anyone needs to be given any ideas providing him detailed instructions on how exactly to do it how to make sure the car was completely airtight and basically encouraging him, telling him it would be painless and he'd simply sort of drift away and never wake up. As well as the messages to Conrad himself, however, the most final and damning piece of evidence comes from a message to Carter's friend Sam sometime after the event. 
In these messages, Carter admits that she was on the phone with Conrad when he took his own life, telling Sam that at one point, as Conrad feels himself dying, he panics and gets out of the truck and she tells him to get back in the fucking truck and do it. Eventually, these messages prove enough for the judge to find Carter guilty and she was sentenced to a measly 15 months in prison, of which she didn't serve all of it. Okay, of course. The judge stated prior to his ruling that it was Carter's phone calls with Conrad when he was in the truck, as proven by self-incriminating messages from Carter to her other friends, rather than the text messages prior to this that had caused him to finally go through with taking his own life. So in January 2020, Michelle Carter was released from Bristol County Jail in Massachusetts four months early on good behaviour for being a model prisoner. She does continue to serve her five-year court-ordered probation, but that is also going to be coming to an end relatively soon. And she's basically living her life. She doesn't have any sort of notable social media profiles, despite the fact that there's been some incredibly high-profile TV series, whether they're like actual documentaries or like docudramas. Um, She hasn't like commented on... any of them and yeah that is the story of the death of conrad roy it's kind of just so despicable in a way that someone can prey on mental issues that someone's going through something that is a a weakness in someone's mental activity and prey on it for their own personal gain Mm. And then get away with it almost scot-free. Because it, um, sorry, I just kicked the mic. Um, Because it also says a lot because she obviously was very she deeply mentally unwell. She had some, some mental issues un- underlying herself, yes. One of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the points that her defense tried to argue was that the uh, medication she was on, one of the like... Uh, side effects was a lack of empathy, allegedly. So they tried to argue that the medication she was on couldn't, like she couldn't empathize. Yeah, but there's like, I feel like a medication that makes you have a lack of empathy wouldn't compel you to encourage your partner to commit suicide. That's like, there's no medication out there Mm. that's going to go... My partner is suicidal. I'm going to encourage that person to do that because I don't feel empathy. It's like that that doesn't just yeah. happen. Because you kind of like when you see when you hear about the story at face value, you kind of like, oh, well, you know, everyone's in control of their own things. Yeah, it's like so you can't, the only person that could have but when you thing. actually read the messages, you're like, yeah. oh no. Like, this is like and coming from you and I to people who have mental health issues and me specifically having deep Mm. periods of depression. The one thing that you can always rely on is having a partner. That person is there to anchor you, to weigh you down, to, to be with you and work through things Mm. like things that I've gone through. You've been there with me to help me through that. What happens when that person is, emphasizing the the darkest thoughts in your head. I can't even imagine what that must feel like to know, to listen to the person that you 
share everything with and depend on is amplifying the darkest thoughts in your head that say you are not worthy in this way. You don't deserve yeah. to be alive. You don't deserve to, you, you don't, don't have to go through these things as a quick thing you can do that just ends it all. Yeah. I can't even begin to imagine what that must have felt like. And what was, what's more horrible is because you can find publicly, I'm not sure if it's all of their messages, but you can find all of the messages that they exchanged on the day that he passed. And there's like multiple occasions where he's like, okay, I'm going out for a walk. Like I'm going to do it. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then he comes back from the walk and he's like, I couldn't do it. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, I thought you said you're going to kill yourself. Like, what's yeah. the go, dude? It, I think it happened like three times on the day. And then he finally did it after he'd gone to the beach with his mom. And they'd had this like really love, what his mom described as this really lovely time. They'd eaten um, like fish and chips on the beach and yeah. had this really nice day. And then... He came home from that and he was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just worried about my family. And she's like, I'll take care of them. Like, just go and yeah. kill yourself. It's hor- I, I nearly cried. Yeah. The entire it's case. very it's upsetting. Fucking terrifying. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on that downer of a Yeah, night, God. Uh, so then this, this is what's going to be the Elle Fanning show is basically just going through everything that so i believe it covers their uh, part of their relationship his passing and then her like arrest and trial yeah, and okay. everything right so i'm pretty sure it kind of covers everything from the trailer it looks it looks okay and Elle fanning is a good actress so Elle Fanning's a fantastic i just actress. hope it doesn't like as much as i believe in media presenting things dramatization in kind of, not not so much that i believe that stories should be be presented in an as unbiased way yeah, as possible. Yeah. I just hope they don't try and make her look. That was kind of the thing with like the, the Anna Delvey person biopic was like, I felt like, especially towards the end, they kind of wanted to sort of paint her as like an icon, like a hero, almost. I think that's a little different because with Anna Delvey, you're talking about. I mean, with the exception of her friend and the yeah. hotel in Marrakesh, it's mainly her conning rich people, people who, out of money. Yeah, for and sure. it's like, oh no, yeah. the rich the rich person got scammed out of a private jet yeah. flight, whatever will they do? There were just do? things that she did that just weren't like, I mean, I guess that's kind of like a needle in a haystack compared to what she did. Yeah, and what she did to Rachel. Yeah was horrible but and then, Rachel obviously ended up making her money back with the media interviews yeah, and her book and, and, and stuff. And then kind of just didn't really handle it in like the pacifist hero sense. Yeah. She definitely wasn't a hero. Yeah. No, a I get A little that. bit iconic. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. do find <laughs> it a little bit iconic, but I also think it's a very different level of despicable Yeah, compared to what Michelle Carter did. Yeah. Well, I am interested to check out, um, this mm, TV show. Same. Um, but yeah, a very uh, sad story. Um, yeah. Um, if you are interested in reading the messages, they're very readily available on Google. I just honestly found reading yeah. them super depressing. So I didn't want to read too yeah. many of them aside from the ones that you kind of need to have context for the 
situation. Yeah, that would be. Uh, but yeah, yeah they like they they really don't get any. They don't get better than no. that. And that's a very triggering thing to read through as well. That's, yeah. I, I couldn't read through that. Yeah. That's also... Especially know, the ones of her... Just encouraging. Not not even... Th- those ones are horrible. It's the one where she's literally giving him step-by-step instructions... Yeah, on how to do it. On how to do it. And yeah. when I say step-by-step, it's like, do this and then block that and then do that and then rev the engine. And then, you know, yeah. if you're worried about this, put a note in the window. And I'm like, you... You handed him the gun, like yeah. literally. Which is terrible to do. Like, you. how are you going to wash your hands and pretend that... Yeah, the the fact like, that she can just go off and live her fucking life. I mean, even without like some sort of psychological evaluation or some sort of, you know, yeah, and mental his, health his family help. now has to live with... Yeah, you've just... That you've, for the you've rest You've given of a lives. family... A, so you've you've taken away someone from someone's family mm. and you just you did that because you like the attention of people being sympathetic yeah. towards you like that's a disgusting thing to do and, and it's like sure it's a it's the thing we always talk about that's a psychopathic trait that we go how much of this is just because they don't understand normal human yeah. traits or how much of it is just because you're a manipulative person it's hard to say. But anyway. We're going to um, have a quick break. A little break. Maybe everyone go have a little shower cry. Yeah. I think I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. Okay. It's, re- it's really like, it's I don't know what it's... horrible. It is. It's... Yeah. It's horrible on a different level to all the horrible things yes. we talk about on the show. Anyway, we'll have a little break and then we'll come back and we'll get into my case. Um, we are joined by our cats? two youngest cats. Um, we got who look like they're about to WWE SmackDown. Yeah, they love to slap the shit out of each other. So that could be a thing happening. Anyway, so I'm going to get into my case, and my case this episode takes us to Perth, Western Australia. Australia, mate. So in Australia, uh, and here in Perth. Australia, Western Australia, lived a woman called Marie Collins. Now, this all takes place around 2020 where Marie Collins was aged about 66 years old. So, she came from from a family of six other siblings as the second youngest child. Marie was a member of the local church community and was reportedly very active in the um, community with the activities and and whatnot. She also worked part-time at a nearby clothing store. So, Marie had lived in Victoria Park, which is just um, south of the city of Perth. I've actually uh, been in the area myself. It's not too far from the CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CBD is not that big. Um, so, it's a, so, there's a no. lot of different stuff around. Um, but yeah, there's a nice river around that area. It's a very lovely um, place and that's where she lived. She actually uh, bought her apartment in her 20s and lived there up until... 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, okay. So, she had actually lived there for her entire life. It was a beautiful uh, penthouse 
on the top floor of uh, a, a apartment complex overlooking, you could literally see the entirety of the city from it. A beautiful view, four bedrooms, two bathrooms. Oh, we're she in a different her tax in, bracket. Yeah, <laughs> very different. So she lived her entire life in this apartment, and eventually, uh, it shared it with her own uh, husband before he unfortunately passed away in two thousand one. Now, Marie and her husband they never had any children, and Marie never remarried. So she spent her time as a one person household. And she would, uh, this would lead her to spend a lot of time with her friends and family, her siblings, uh, and constantly working on the apartment to make it feel more warm and inviting to those who visited. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Uh, Marie loved to host, loved having people over. And in 2020, she actually had some renovations done to the apartment. Now, despite her age, Marie was quite savvy with both her smartphone and computer and kept in regular contact with her friends and family. So, this is why when Marie went silent suddenly on one Saturday before Easter Sunday in 2020, it was rather strange. So, on the 11th of August, 2020, uh, of April, not August, sorry, 2020, Marie woke up, she had a coffee and she went for her morning walk on Swanbourne uh, Beach, which is just west of Perth. After that... She visited her sister Helen at her home in Mount Claremont and returned to her own apartment uh, just after 1 p.m. Now, upon getting to her front door, she realized that she had forgotten to give Helen the keys to her apartment complex as the complex had been renovated as well. So there was new keys for her apartment and new keys for the complex. Mm-hmm. However, she doesn't didn't give Helen a key to the complex. So she called Helen to tell her that she'll just give it to her next time they meet. Now, the next day at 10 a.m., the 12th of April, Helen put a ham in the oven and texted Marie asking if she was available to come over for lunch, to which she received no response. 20 minutes later, she texted her again and again, no response. She then attempted to call Marie at 11.30 a.m., but again, no answer, no response whatsoever. Just two minutes after she ended the call, Helen received a text back from Marie saying, quote, Hi, Helen. Apologies for not taking your call. I am feeling quite unwell. God bless and happy Easter. Helen replied with, quote, Can I call you? We've been worried. To which Marie responded, quote, I have lost my voice, unfortunately. Like I said, I am quite unwell. Thank you so much for your thoughts. So already Helen is quite worried just from the unresponsiveness of her sister. Uh, however, when her sister finally responds, she's even more on edge because it just doesn't sound... Just doesn't feel right. ...like her sister. It's it's a very formal way of speaking to yeah. her sister. It just didn't feel like her. So this led Helen to call her brother Wayne. Wayne and his son lived just a few streets away from Marie's apartment so they could easily just go up and check on her. So when Wayne tries to text Marie as well... He receives no response and decides to go check up on her. Wayne texts Helen to let her know, quote, just texted Marie, no answer. I'm leaving HJ, his son, here and going up now. So soon after sending this text, though, Wayne also goes silent. Oh, okay. Helen attempts to call both uh, Marie and Wayne, however, receives no reply from either of them. Just a few hours later, after several more missed calls, Helen grows increasingly more worried. Like, Marie was one thing, but 
both of them. Wayne knows that Helen's kind of freaking out. Yeah. Okay. And would immediately tell Helen what's going yeah. on. So him not replying is incredibly concerning. So Helen, along with her son-in-law, drove to Marie's apartment complex. She had a spare key to the actual apartment, as I mentioned. However, she did not have a key for the actual complex. So at the complex, Helen actually meets up with one of Marie's neighbors. And altogether, they notice both Wayne and Marie's cars are still at the property. So they haven't left. Okay. All three of them make their way to the eighth floor of the building, which is the top floor of the penthouse, penthouse suite. Yeah. When they get to the Marie's door, they couldn't hear a thing as, that, as if no one is home. Helen uses the spare key she had to unlock the door and slowly swings the door open. However, before she could even step foot into the apartment, her son-in-law, along with their neighbor, stop her. Through the door, they could see a large tarp wrapped in yellow rope, and behind it lay the body of Dwayne Johnson. They immediately close the door, run downstairs, and call the police. Now, police are very quick to arrive at the complex and they make their way up to the apartment. Once there, they identify the bodies of both Wayne and Marie. Oh. Signs of a struggle were prevalent within the apartment. Furniture had been broken, items were laying around scattered, and weirdly, lemonade bottles, beer cans, and protein shakes were scattered throughout several rooms, along with bloodstains in several rooms as well. So, retrieved from the crime scene was a taser, a bread knife, a hunting knife, and a letter opener. Upon inspecting Marie, police found that she had been stabbed a total of 24 times. Wayne received 25 stab wounds in total with an additional 12 sharp force injuries. The person responsible was no longer in the apartment, so obviously he, was, he or she were out there. So, here's the thing. Forensics found no sign of forced entry, and this being the eighth level of the apartment complex, no one could have climbed up the balcony, so they were left with two options. The killer was someone that had a spare key to the apartment, or there was someone Marie knew intimately, or just enough to welcome them into her apartment, and they did just that. Now, the key thing is unlikely because... She just renovated and there were new locks to the door. Mm. So, it probably wouldn't be the spare key thing. So, it would have to be someone that she knew at least enough to welcome them into her apartment. Mm. So, police began questioning those around Marie. While doing so, they make a discovery. While they're documenting all the vehicle license plate numbers in the building car park, they decide to peer in through the windows to see if they can find anything of interest. Sitting on the dashboard of one of these cars in the car park was a receipt for the local Bunnings Warehouse, which, if you don't know what that is, is just a, a depot hardware store, store, hardware yeah. store, and dated for 6.43 p.m. on Saturday, the 11th of April, purchased just one day prior at the Bunnings at Belmont. Now, just a quick side note on just this because I found this fascinating. Uh... Do you want to know how many Bunnings stores there are within a 30-minute drive of where she lived in Perth? 30-minute drive? Yeah. Within a 30-minute like radius from her house. Hang on and give this an actual good guess. Yeah. And just so you know, Bunnings Warehouse is a franchise, kind of like Home Depot. I want to say five. Eleven. Yeah, there are 11 stores, if you live in that area in Perth, that within a 30-minute drive you can visit. That's 
in that's any which direction, there are 11 stores. That's too... Why yeah. do you need so many? That's a lot of Bunnings. In a 30-minute drive? Yeah. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, here's the doozy, oh, right? God. Okay. The items on the receipt for the Bunnings are a blue tarp and a yellow, yellow rope. rope. Immediately, police run the car's plates through Western Australia's license database and they discover the, oh, the car is owned by a man called Luke Fawcett. Living on the same... Wait, I'm sorry. What was his surname? Luke Fawcett. F-A-W-C-E-T-T. Fawcett. Okay. It's just a weird surname for... Anyway, keep going. Okay. Uh, Living in not only the same building as Marie, but on the same floor. In fact, her next door neighbor... Luke was just 27 years old, living right across the hall from Marie. Luke's criminal record was pretty insignificant. He had a couple of driving offenses and two instances where he had a minor possession of uh, pro- prohibited cocaine. drugs. Cocaine, definitely. Sure. 27-year-old living in the penthouse was definitely cocaine. He wasn't living in a penthouse. He was on the same floor as her, but it was a vastly different apartment. Oh, okay. I thought the penthouse just meant the top. Is that not what a penthouse is? Maybe I don't know what a penthouse is. It's a different... keep going, sorry. Yeah. Uh, So, Luke's parents were divorced and he had entirely no relationship with his mother. As well as this, growing up, he didn't have many friends and his childhood was just a bit sort of, you know, not great. Academically, however, Luke was flourishing. He graduated and uh, at the top of his class in high school and went on to study psychology at the University of Western Australia. While studying there, he worked part-time at a nightclub and soon, after graduating from university, moved on to work at a, as a disability support worker and soon after that, a psychologist focusing on mental health. Luke had moved into the apartment uh, in that same building with his girlfriend in 2016. Along, with, along those years, Luke and Marie had to share the normal, friendly, neighborly relationship. Um, Luke had actually uh, uh, been in the apartment several times. So, little something yeah. there. Invited by Marie to help her move furniture, fix her printer and other small issues with her Facebook account. All right. So, Going back to 2020, at the start of the year, Luke is diagnosed with anxiety and depression and has experiencing regular panic attacks. On top of this, he has completely lost his passion for his work and eventually quits his job. Now, this is something that shouldn't seem too irregular to you. The pandemic hit a lot of people pretty hard. Mm. Um, I myself experienced panic attacks coming out of the pandemic. Um, And losing motivation for your job is a pretty you know, going through that, especially a face-to-face job like psychology. Now, the way he quit his job. Oh, dear. He had falsely accused one of his colleagues of sexual misconduct. And when it was eventually found out that his claims were false, the Psychology Board of Australia took this claim very seriously. And he was stripped of his registration as a psychologist. And by March, his girlfriend had actually separated from him, which... No surprise. This took Luke down a deep spiral, one of which included uh, involving smoking weed and drinking alcohol on the daily, every day. So, okay. Luke has hit rock bottom here. He's uh, lost his job, effectively. Uh, He's broken his relationship and has no career and his entire reputation as a psychologist is just completely fucked. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Without someone to share rent with and the whole no job thing, he couldn't afford to rent the apartment and he was on the verge of being evicted. At this point, Luke began mixing in antidepressants with his daily dose of booze and weed. Not a good combination. Mm -mm. Police soon also discover through surveillance footage on on the same day of Luke's Bunnings trip, he had actually checked himself into a hospital. He had four deep lacerations and a dislocated shoulder. He checked in around 3 p.m. and this was more than enough for police to decide to visit Luke. Luke's explanation for as to why he had his injuries and why he checked in the hospital was that he fell down the stairs while holding a steak knife. As you do. As you do. So, uh, uh, he agreed to supply police with um, a DNA sample, which, look, is a terrible fucking idea if you are guilty of a crime. So, they took that and all the while were chasing up his receipt. So, they checked the surveillance footage from the Bunnings at Belmont and at 6.43pm on Saturday the 11th of April, Luke could be seen entering the store where he bought the yellow rope and blue tarp. On top of this, a neighbor actually came to police saying they noticed a stranger was acting weird outside her apartment on the ground floor, just below the balcony on the same day. He was pacing up and down the street uh, crying. The neighbor took a picture of him and sure enough, revealed in the picture, it's Luke in the same clothes he was wearing in the surveillance footage. So, same person. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, when the DNA tests came back and they were finalized, they were able to confirm Luke's DNA's all over the crime scene. Mm -hmm. And that was a dumb move by him. Let's just be honest there. His blood had been found at several points in the apartment amongst the blood of Marie and Wayne. So police are like, yeah, this is the fucking guy. And on the 13th of April, 2020, Luke Fawcett was arrested by WA police for the murder of Marie Collins and Wayne Johnson. So if Luke arrested, police were now allowed to search his apartment and his car. And... This is where a, a, a quite a astounding revelation is made. Luke had been planning to murder Marie for a pretty long time. It wasn't just a spontaneous thing. Oh, okay. He actually had planned the entire thing out. Not very the, well, apparently. No. The month before the murder, he had bought two tasers and a pair of handcuffs. Now, this is the OMG what the fuck factor of the entire case. Mm. And I wish this had been released to public, but it has not yet been released as of today. Uh, On March the 29th, Luke recorded himself threatening uh, the camera, uh, like a fake person who was just the camera, with a taser and a knife while wearing a full body latex suit. Like a gimp suit. Like a gimp suit, yeah. Just a full body latex suit. Do you now understand why I thought it was a bit ironic that his surname is Fawcett? Yeah. Okay. No, I I get that. Okay, I'm just making sure we're on the same page. He was threatening injury to the non-existent person behind the camera if they failed to provide their bank details. A direct quote from the video says... Okay, so he was trying to get money from her. Okay, sorry. A direct quote says, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. If it's the hard way... You will be severely hurt. And if you keep pushing me, eventually I will kill you. Okay. Sound like a fucking mob boss. Do you know what irritates me about this story though? She sounds like such a lovely person. I feel like if he just asked. For money. She would have helped. Yeah. I don't know. 
In Luke's car, police found several notes, one of which had a checklist listing quiet shoes, baseball bat, and cable ties. A second list found was titled interrogation, which included pepper spray to the eyes and potential locations. Luke would claim that the video was made as a home invasion role play for a couple he met online, and the to-do lists were supposedly for a video game. On the 4th of April, he had bought a shovel and through screenshots on his phone, police found uh, he traveled 200 kilometers south of Perth to a forest where he made a partially dug grave and they found a black bag containing the same protein smoothies they found at the apartment uh, in uh, Marie Collins' apartment. Right. So... Yeah. On the April on April the sixth, Luke was spotted at a Bunnings buying tarp, tape, and rope. And this was only five days before Marie eventually goes silent. So then in the afternoon of Saturday the eleventh of April, that is when Luke knocks on Marie's door and is invited in. Once inside, Luke tasers and proceeds to stab Marie over twenty times. Upon her death, Luke then uses her apartment to shower, drink a few breakfast smoothies, some beers, and then he sends off a few messages to a girl he had been talking to, talking about how he just recently acquired a new penthouse apartment. Oh my god! Well, he just thought he was that was his apartment now. He, and he just said he was saying I recently bought this apartment. I think you should check it out. Jesus. So while he was covering up the body, he realized he needed more rope and tarp. So that's when he made his 6 p.m. Bunnings trip. Police found through surveillance. So after a few more beers and smoothies, weird mix, uh, he attempted to access her bank accounts on her computer. So you are correct. He was trying to acquire money. How it went a completely different direction, we'll never know. In the morning, after I assume he spent the night in her apartment sleeping, disgusting, he recorded the Perth skyline through Marie's bedroom window. And this is when, you know, Helen sends those messages to Marie. And that's when Luke masquerades as Marie sending messages back. So then, much to Luke's surprise, and I don't think he was expecting, Wayne, having a spare key, comes through the front door of Marie's apartment. A struggle ensues between the two. Obviously, uh, Wayne probably seeing the blood and mm, whatnot. And while Wayne is able to fracture Luke's collarbone, dislocate his shoulder, and stab him four times. Good on him. Fucking badass. Unfortunately, Luke was able to murder Wayne, and Wayne did pass. At 2.30 p.m., Luke called his grandmother to ask her if she could drive him to the local hospital. While he was waiting for her to arrive outside, that's when the neighbor snapped the photo of him pacing around, crying. Jesus. So while he was checked into the hospital, he was sending uh, texts to the girls he was talking to, flirting and calling himself the sexiest patient ever. Um, <laughs> and one, <laughs> one such text read, and I quote, I wish you were here to kiss my boo-boo better. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this was read in court. <laughs> oh, it's so How bad. How is that? That's like, that's such an ick right there. That is like, I know you don't really, I, I mean, like, okay, so at this point, he's he's committed a murder. Two murders. Two murders. And one believes he's gotten away with it. 
two. How? I don't know. Doesn't think these texts will come back to haunt him in any way. So it's, it's just, Wild. you can't. It's just fucking boo-boo. That just, oh. Yeah. I mean, anyway. So guess what? At the eventual trial, what do you think Luke does? Do you think he pleads guilty? No, he pleads not guilty. He pleads not guilty. Yeah, correct. His claim was that he walked into Marie's apartment and found her stabbed and tased and already dead. And Luke admits, however, to killing Wayne, though he says it was in self-defense as Wayne was enraged finding the body of Marie. Uh Uh-huh. So no one buys his obvious no. bullshit. And in September 2021, Luke is found guilty for both the murder of Marie Collins and Wayne Johnson. Luke was given two life sentences with the minimum of 34 years before he's eligible for parole. So he will be 60 before he even yeah, can gets see a chance. Day, yeah. Now to end this off, I just want to read Helen's statement for her sister and her brother. Oh, is this going to make me cry? So it is as I quote. The empty seats at our table will always be a constant reminder of the absence at family gatherings. As a son has lost his dad and I, with our siblings, have lost our younger sister and brother. I told you it was going to make me cry. And that's That's ultimately the takeaway from the story is that someone took not only one member of of a family, but two members of a family. What a depressing episode we've just made people see yeah. through. Wow. So, Sorry about that, guys. The, the takeaway from this is interesting because you have someone who has a severe mental collapse who just mm. completely spirals, substance abuse, um, losing his job, going through the pandemic, losing his girlfriend, on the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of eviction, no mother... Not a lot of support network. The guy himself is a psychologist and he's going through a severe mental lapse. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, that's how do you the crazy not, thing. How do you not sense that in yourself? Or is it just like you just can't? I don't think you can. But I think it's just hor- horrifically ironic that he's a psychologist mm. and he went through this mental collapse. And unfortunately, in because of that, because there wasn't a support network around him or anyone that can kind of like, I don't know, reverse yeah. things somewhat or contain them somewhat, this led to him believing the best course of action would be whatever he thought, robbery, murder, interrogation, whatever he thought. This led to that, and this led to two people unnecessarily dying. Yeah. Two people who were Fuck, family man. members, who had family, and were just sweet people of the, of the community of Perth. That's sad. Yeah. That is, however, the end of my case. Um, if you are just here for the cases, then thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week for our next episode if you are here for the end where we sort of talk about our week talk about things we've gone through we have a few things to go through i guess things we've gone through go through trauma no i just mean like what we've been up to lately (laughs) you know what i mean like what we've been doing um and yeah that's sort of it uh thank you for joining us 
Welcome. So. Take a sip of tea. Uh, yeah, we kind of disappeared for a few weeks there. Look, there's not really, nothing really happened. Like no one passed away or anything dramatic. I think we just both suffered slight <coughs> mental, not even mental breakdowns. Tama started a new job. I yeah. changed <clears throat> jobs. It's all been very, it's all been a lot. We've yeah. said it once. We've said it a million times. We make no money from this show. We we love we love doing it, but we do this and work somewhat full time. Yeah, and have social lives and have other projects that we run. And sometimes it just gets to be a little bit much. So I do apologize. I have seen everyone's messages. I haven't responded to any of them just because honestly, I, like no mental bandwidth to do that. But we've now got a bit more. Tama's settled into his new job. I'm settled into my new work schedule. So things should be a little less yeah. crazy. And we are working to get to a point where the show becomes, I guess, in a sense, easy, easier for yeah. us to sort of work in. Um, because when we started the show, and as we've mentioned before... It was during lockdown, we had a lot of time to work on it. We had nothing but time. Yeah. And now it's sort of like coming, we're, we're, we're fully in life mode now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything's sort of happening. And it's been a very bumpy start to the year for yeah. both of us. And the so. whole thing of not really, you know, it's not like a job. You know, like you go to a job and then you get paid and then sort of like, okay, that's your time yeah. done. It's like... You have to find the time for this thing that you enjoy doing. And also because of, of the, I think in particular with the nature of this show in particular, you don't just factor in the, the, t- the actual podcast yeah. plus an hour to edit to, and to record. Like we also have to spend hours researching and writing notes. Not complaining. Correct. As I've said, we love doing the show, but just it does that's just, why we disappeared for a few weeks. Yeah. So the show is still happening. We are fingers crossed going to be back to our regular schedule. Yep. And we will also be fingers crossed getting our shit together with our Patreon and some additional content for you guys. Maybe yeah. working with some <clears throat> sponsors or something because it would be nice to, I don't know. Yeah, we want to we want to like legitimize we want to like legitimize the show. We do because it's become it started off as a passion project, and now it's become a big part of our lives. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we have you guys listening to us every single week that we upload, and it's we often running the podcast. We often don't fully reciprocate that. We don't or we don't really get that. If that makes sense, we don't really we don't really notice it, in a sense, because it's not like oh, you're yeah, all here to, in the room with us. Yeah, it's kind we're of not hard doing it live. You look at like download numbers, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of people, but it's kind of hard to actually. Yeah, it's it's hard to sort of it, put it in perspective and be like, okay, that's a thing that's happening, and you sort of just having it as a a side project. You don't really have that thought process of. This is, you know, our yeah. life. This is what we do. Anyway, that's a little yeah sob story. We're trying to we're trying to like legitimize it, 
and we're, we're working just slowly on working it. towards it. We're working on it. Guys. Yeah, we're just getting we're getting our shit together. What's been good for the past few weeks? I discovered that one of the funnest things that I've done in a very long time is buying cheap yellow clay <laughs> from oh Office Works and making this is going to sound ridiculous, making fake pieces of sliced cheese out of clay. <coughs> yeah, so we put them yeah. in places around the apartment. Yep. So, so that's my current everywhere. ADHD hyperfixation. They're making all over the place. T- there's only 3 of them. There's not that many. They're I want to spread make out and and you're making more. I want to make more. So that's the thing there's going to be it's gonna <laughs> fucking cheese slices everywhere. <laughs> I can make other things apartment. that are sliced. Bread? <gasps> I could make tiny pieces of bread. That'd be cute. I feel Pizza. like you're going to make a sandwich eventually of just bread, lettuce, tomato. Don't give me ideas. Yeah, Don't do complain it. about it and then give me I'm ideas. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying there's fucking cheese in our apartment. Anyway, I'll post a photo of it. Randomly. I think it's the cutest thing ever if I do say so myself. It but is really cute. I will post cute. a photo on our Instagram. I so like you that. Can... There's one on the bookshelf that I'm looking it at right really now. Cute. It's the best one. So I've made them so they like, they droop over the edge. Yeah. So there's like a little flat bit so it stays and then it droops. It's the, I'll take it for It's the cutest thing ever. I'm obsessed yeah, with it. Yeah, check out our stories at the BSC podcast. What else have I been doing? I've been watching a lot of Critical Role. So I've always loved D&D and always loved Critical Role. But I, I don't know. I didn't feel enormously attached to the new campaign. I have a real soft spot for campaign two and kind of like watch it over and over again and watch like the highlights i didn't get really attached to campaign three so i decided i was gonna mm-hmm. watch it again and i started from episode one and i've been working my way through okay the past few days a lot of people probably have no idea what you're talking about critical role is a dungeons and dragons uh it's technically a live stream but they also post it on youtube mm-hmm. but it's the best thing ever i love dungeons and dragons so much yeah that's yeah that's all i got to say on that um I recently found out that at my new job, I have coworkers that listen to the show, which is like both like gratifying, but also kind of like, oh, Terrifying. fuck, you know, the side of me yeah. now. <laughs> well. Yeah. So. Ooh, yeah. I'm ooh, mentally. Ill. <laughs> I have a weird fixation with true crime. Um, but there's, there's also, I guess, are, are coming with the shows. We have. We have kind of an idea for um, just, I guess, more cases. We want to kind of expand. Oh, yes. Yes. What I we was cover. Like, we have an idea, do we? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, we're going to try it out. I guess it's, it's, still ki- it's still keeping in like a crime. It's sort I of guess. just. A, we're going to be trying yeah. some like new things. Not too new. Don't worry. We're not going to be like talking about politics or no. anything, any of that bullshit. Um, but yeah, we're going to try some like kind of more, I guess. Like phenomenons and. Phenomenons. Can, phenomenons. 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 Anemones. Phenomenons. It's <laughs> really hard word to say. What the phenomenons. hell? Phenomenons. Okay, let's just. What's the next word that you're <laughs> reaching for? Phenomenons? Phenomenons. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not. As a native English speaker, you can't say like, the word phenomenon. What's the other word I can't say? <coughs> I don't know, but you're making me cough. What's there's another word that I can <coughs> never say? Oh, sadomasochism? Pseudomasochism. Pseudomasochism. 
Well, you sound like a three-year-old trying to spell. Oh, gosh. Say it. Pseudomasochism. Pseudomasochism. You stay. Did you, I say it? Yeah, you kind of did, but you said it with a bit of a slur. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even drunk. This is just me. Yeah. Um I completely Oh, talking about that P word. Yeah. Uh like conspiracy theories and Yeah. Like we we've kind like of interesting <clears throat> topics. We're we, just like branching out a little bit. We've kind of covered cases similar to that, like the Summerton man, which wasn't really a murder, it was sort of just a mystery. There's yeah, we've talked few. about cults and stuff before. Yeah, yeah. There's there's um, there's cases we've done in the past where it's not so much about the murder or true crime esque. Hmm. It's just crimes or uh, Stockholm syndrome. Um, yes, that was technically. I don't think anyone died. No, no. So it's sort of just a bit more of that. Yeah. Um, so we're just you know we're also very aware that the true crime genre is. Highly, highly saturated. So yeah. I guess we're just considering the fact that you guys have a lot of shows to choose from. So we're maybe trying to do something, yeah, just a little bit different, but nothing um, too scary. Yeah, so don't get concerned. I feel like the whole vibe of this show is things that are interesting to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So we might get into more things. Like, I've had some people say that they want to hear more about the conspiracy theory of like the Twenty Seven Club. Oh, fantastic! We yeah. can talk about some like, uh, like Stonehenge and like weird things like that. Yep. Um, we're gonna like give it a little trial run, and then we'll take to the streets of social media, and yes. we'll get your. Opinion on it. Yeah. So if you like it, please let us know. If you don't, also please let us know. Because yeah. at the end of the day, as much as the show is for us, it's also now become for you, the listeners. So if you guys hate it, then we're not going to keep doing it. So. I am become you. So uh, we do have a... Go- what? <laughs> we I do have my a, tea out. We do have a Google Doc that you can... Uh, suggest cases to yes so it um, is in our link tree yep so if you have a case like that like maybe a conspiracy theory a phenomenon like we want to cover How things did you say that so easily i'm just fucking great at english bro um yeah just suggest a case it can be basically anything we'll look at it see if we want to cover it um it does help us out too because we're all constantly on the search for the next story. Interesting things. The next big thing. <clears throat> yeah. And it and it just it helps when it's something that, you know, draws us in. You mm. know, it's like it's a it's something makes you want to talk about it. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I think yeah. it has to you know, it's gotta be as much as I love true crime, it and as much as I really don't want the next statement I'm about to say to make it sound like I am uh belittling anyone's murder in any way. Yeah. But it also does get a little bit boring hearing about the same thing, but with two different names. You're like, oh, in this week's episode, we're going to talk about this person who was stabbed by this person. Oh, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about this person who was stabbed by this person. Yeah. So we're just trying to keep it fresh. I think think more so it's just sort of keeping the episodes refreshing. Like, there's yeah. not a a constant flow of, like, this is the one thing we box ourselves into. It's like, here's a, you know, this week we, we felt like covering this kind of story. Yes. 
And then you get that sense of, okay, well, it's not just another, another true crime story where they're covering the same fucking stories that everyone else is covering. Yes. It's something Doing different. Doing something a little bit different. Maybe something that no one's covered. Mm. You know? And also, I think we're both very aware that as much as we love it, the true crime genre is definitely, it has its it has its problems. It has it is a little bit problematic when it comes to sensationalizing yes. murder. Yeah. And we do recognize that and understand that. So I guess we're also kind of looking to as much as we will still talk about your classic true crime stories, we're also kind of looking to I guess yeah. not add like you to might the have, noise. You might have noticed that we've we've had a a, a shift from talking about you know, notorious serial killers to cases that, um, that we talk more about who the victims were and mm. and what they went through as more of a story and the accreditation to the victim. It's not a matter of, you know, glorifying a person who's like a, you know, their story, or whatever, like an Ed Kemper or whatever. Yeah. As much as like, you know... Those people are fascinating. Are fascinating to look into... There is a glorification for what these people did, in a yes. sense that are, that is prevalent within true crime. Yeah, you remember Ed Kemper, yeah. you don't remember the names of his victims. And for us, we kind of want to cover the stories like how I covered with Marie, where it's this is who this is a person that was taken away from the world. This is yeah. their story. This is what happened. Not to glorify the person who took her life away mm-hmm. from her. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have seen that there's a there's been a shift in. Not only the the cases we cover, but the way we cover them and the way we present them, we don't really want to glorify people who do these things. Yeah, we don't really want to give them. Which is a very like I guess in just purely by talking about them, like you are kind of some yes. glorifying it. But I guess yeah, just looking to just in whatever way, like because this is for whatever reason. True crime is fascinating, fascinating, and it's something that many people are interested in. And I guess it's just it just connects people to under trying to attempt to understand human beings, Mm. trying to connect yourself to the human psyche. Because everyone has a fascination with you know criminology and police investigation. Yeah, you know. it's like the human nature is to be a little bit voyeuristic. <coughs> Stop coughing. I don't know what happened. Something is just Shut up. not happy with me. Anyway, what else have you been up to this week? Um, well, I've, I've, been I've been working. I've been working. I have a job. Um, uh, have, have I talked about how I quit my last job? What do you mean? Like, have you told people that you quit your last job? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Tama quit his last job. Yeah, I quit. I mean, now they now they know. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and there might be new people. Uh, I quit my la- my last job, my job of five years, um, just because it's not what I want to do. Yeah, and it and was time. It's time. Just wanted to switch up. So I have a, a casual job now that pays the rent. It's a fun job. It's just a you know a job, and I come home and I do my thing. Yeah. And I'm a bit the same, so yeah. we're just trying to get a little bit of life balance back. Which I feel like the first time in since we've started this show, like we're at a point where we're sort of getting to a, t- a, a position where we can focus more on 
I hope so. I would like, like to this. be able to like put a little bit more production value and really yeah. We I can kind of take pride in yeah. Like we've we've always taken pride in the show, but I'd really like to kind of I guess take it to the next level. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's I don't time. I know what the next level is, but... I feel like it's time to get there. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Anyway, what are you guys up to? What are you... You, you listening right now in your car, on your bike, if, you, if you're Matt, um, if you're on your <laughs> way to... specifically one person yeah, that we know. Yeah, if you're Matt, let me know. You're riding your bike and you're listening to True Crime Podcasts, you fucking psychopath. Or Josh. Or Josh, yeah, if you're, you're mountain biking, um, you're a dad now, man. Stop. You got to, what are you doing, man? Get off man? that bike. Get off get that bike. Get home to the baby. Yep. Put that roast on. Feed your family. Uh, anyway. anyway. Uh, or, you you know, you're just, you're, you're just a, at cleaning home. Yeah, cleaning. Yeah, uh, cleaning. Commuting to work. Commuting back from work. Yeah, that might be what you're doing right now. If that is what you're doing, then... Nice. You're currently commuting home from work. Well done. Well done. You made it through the you've day. Done it. You've done good you did work. It. Yeah. Good job. We're proud of you. We are very proud of you. It's been a hard day. Go home. It's it's probably, if you're listening to this on release, it'll be a Wednesday. So, go home. You know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't done soothing ASMR. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have not gotten good responses on those. No, stop, don't. You had... She's had no, don't do it with the new nails. I love ASMR. You do beard scratching ASMR. Would that work? I feel like that probably shows okay. up. Anyway, we won't do that because I know some people hate Oh, yeah, ASMR. I know. Abs- I love it, but That's I know why we won't do it. it because there's people who find it very Oh, so I heard about this new thing on TikTok, which is where I hear about all of my things. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually really interesting. So I may get the actual name for it incorrect. I'm pretty sure it's called the shepherd's tone. So basically it is not an optical illusion. It's an auditory illusion. illusion, which is if you listen to it for long enough, it can cause like literal insanity as well as like give you physical symptoms. Like you get a headache, you feel nauseous, oh, yeah. um, you can faint. Because basically it's an auditory illusion where it constantly sounds like the tone is falling down. Yeah. Like it it just always sounds like, honestly, it sounds like something, it's what I imagine if you were to open a pit to hell, that's what I imagine hell would sound like. But basically it's an auditory illusion where it tricks your brain into thinking that the tone is constantly going down in um, octave, I guess. Yeah. but obviously it's not because yeah. it would get to a point where your human ear literally Can't couldn't hear, hear it anymore. Yeah. But yeah, basically it's this very interesting thing. So if you want to look it up and hear it, uh, it's fine. Like I listen to it. It's fine if you listen to it for like a few seconds. But if you listen to yeah. it for an extended period of time, it can like literally make you insane. And I just find things like that fascinating. Like I have I heard find about that. It's so interesting how sound <clears throat> and ears work hello yeah, pie. hello pie hey mister hey buddy he's coming to say hello yeah you don't he, know if you can hear him probably not but he's saying hello and he's not running around he's being a good boy he, the only one of the three being well behaved yeah and then he'll probably do something really naughty 
in like five seconds. Well, he's already tried to eat from the other one's food bowl and I had to rouse him. <coughs> so technically he's already done his bad okay. thing. Okay, well then there you go. Oh, he's coming down to give me a cuddle. Um, I honestly don't have anything else to say. No, I think we should probably just wrap it I up there. I think we did a lot of, covered a lot of topics. Um, but yeah, if you do want to follow us on social media, you can check us out at the BSC podcast. If you haven't already, we would love it if you gave us a nice little review on whatever platform you listen on, if it will mm-hmm. allow you to, since it does really help grow the show and helps it chart. Yeah. And so more people can discover the show. And if it doesn't give you an option, get a post-it note, write five stars, what you liked about the show and stick it to your computer. Yeah. Or stick it to like a lamp post or something. Yeah, so or the fridge. Can, yeah. Whatever you want. I was Whatever. thinking like a public space. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to, okay. Yeah, you sure. mean you could stick it to your fridge, but then you'll just know that. You rated the show it. five stars. Yeah, it has yeah. sentimental value. Okay. Put it next to a picture of your kids. Okay. Anyway. Um, the code word for today is ghost fire. Ooh, Okay. Ghost fire. Yes, it's on the screen in front of me. You know it's always going to be something. <laughs> it's always going to be something in front of you. In front of me. Yeah, ghost fire. Um, ghost fire sounds like a really Roast terrifying... Ghost fire? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like a cocktail. Ooh, we could make it a cocktail. Yeah. A, a, a best of cold pattern pending We should bring cocktail. back the weekly cocktail. Yeah, we will. I mean, that's sort of a thing we can figure out with. That was classic BSC. Yeah. We should bring that back. That's something and we'll it was also back. fun to just drink a different cocktail every <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was fun. I think that was the start of our alcohol issue. Yeah. The Tuesday is technically a weekend uh, ending. It's your weekend. It's the start of my week though. So Yeah, so fuck you. Mm, anyway. <laughs> the lightweight start of the word. word is ghost fire. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us with all the stops and starts. Yep. We are aware that it is, as someone who gets really attached to things and needs it to come out when it's supposed to come out, I know how frustrating it is pain. when things don't come out when they're supposed to yeah um so apologies we're gonna try i'm not gonna even attempt to say that it's never gonna happen again because that's a lie yeah look look, you guys are the ones who subscribe to this fucking show all right you're in for the ride all right we might stop being mean to the listeners i'm not being mean i'm just saying it's always like good cop bad cop at the end i'm just saying tom is like i will kill i'm not i'm not i won't kill anyone's firstborns i'm just saying this is who we are Anyway. This is this is what we're going to do. Code word, ghost fire. Don't forget, you can now check us out on YouTube yes. if you like to listen to your podcast that way. Yep. Uh, and yeah, we will see you on social media and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Ghost fire.